This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. Just like a head-on car accident. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. And you can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Hey, hey, it is the Blue Bomber Podcast. I'm Greg Mackling along with Doug Brown. We want to thank everyone who subscribes, downloads, and shares their comments, their thoughts, their opinions on the Blue Bomber Podcast. Please share with your friends. Take some time to rate us, rank us. We love to be judged here at the Just Blue Bomber Podcast. Don't Just boo us. Just don't boo us. Whatever you do. We'll talk a lot about booing. We'll talk about what does it mean to be elite? What does it take to be elite in a nine-team league? We'll take a look uh, at Calgary, what they did against Saskatchewan, the Bombers, what they could do against Calgary and Saskatchewan because the next three games for the Blue Bombers include the Calgary Stampeders and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So why don't we just jump right in now and get down to it. So, Doug, uh, not a lot of boo urns at the. Uh, what does that mean? The okay, so that's, that's, a, Simpsons. that's a Simpsons reference. Hey, I was a South Park guy, man, so I don't get that. I've seen that for everywhere on Twitter. Boo urns. I'm like, what? Yes. So, uh, Mr. Burns makes a movie for a film festival in Springfield, and everybody boos the film because it's okay. very self indulgent. Yeah. And there's. Are they saying boo or boo urns? <laughs> This? Are they booing me? Nah, no, they're saying boo urns. Boo urns. Are you saying boo or boo urns? And this one guy in the crowd says, I was saying boo urns, but of course, everybody very clearly booing. There was no boo urns at IGF. Okay. It was okay. boos. And you know, Matt Nichols will play the audio for you now. No, I usually wouldn't ever say anything like this, and I probably even shouldn't, but I'm going to. Um, you know, the saddest thing tonight for me was, uh, you know, I feel like I, I give my heart and city, that, you know, my heart to this uh, this city and this team, and um, yeah, I don't care. Um, I don't know. It's pretty frustrating to, you know, I, I put everything into to go out there and try and perform for my teammates and, and, and these fans, and um, you know, it was pretty sad for me that you know I took some shots tonight, took a big one on my elbow, had to come out for a couple plays, and. Um, you know, shook that one off, came back on the field and got booed by the whole stadium that I was coming back out there. Um, yeah, that one was pretty hard for me tonight. So you do hear that? Yeah, absolutely. He's suggesting that it was the whole stadium. First of all, a lot of people left at that point. And secondly, that would suggest that anybody was there was booing Matt Nichols. I can say this. My belief is that never mind were all the people left in the building not booing. But I think most people were booing his head coach and the decision to put Matt Nichols back in, not Matt Nichols himself. Yeah, they were trying, probably booing me is, is uh, probably the actual response. I know Matt took it personally, but, you know, why I put him back in? Uh, lots of reasons. You know, one of them is trying to finish a game, trying to finish with some, with some pride, a game that hasn't gone our way and hasn't felt very good on the, on the bench. I'm trying to establish something that we can uh, build on for the next week sure part of it's some stubbornness you know on my part i would never be able to explain not trying to win i'm aware of your mindset in that regard we've been over this a number of times in the five years we've been doing this show uh, and i think it's had an impact here in terms of how this team has developed but i can't think of a good reason why you put him back on the field the other night especially after he just got hurt 
Well, those really hurt. Like, you shook it off. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely, he did. You wouldn't do it differently if you had to do it over? I guess I'd have to think about it again, yeah. Quite possibly, we'd do it differently. You'll never know. You cannot say definitively who is being booed, who is not being booed, what scenario is being... Everyone has their own reason for booing, and it's awesome. It's often just the, you know, it's the crowd pure... Hey, everyone's booing. People at the Rum Hut, you think they knew why? Oh, everyone's booing, let's just boo. You know, it, it's just, it's impossible to know. So to put that all on yourself, you know, it, it's it, there's so many levels to this because professional athletes so rarely go out and admit that they're vulnerable and they're affected and they hear these things. You know, like if I had a dollar for every time I heard a coach or a player said, I don't read the paper. I don't listen to them. You know, like they're giving you a backhanded shot just by saying, I would never read your stuff because it's terrible anyways. I don't read the newspapers. I don't listen to the radio. Yeah, guess what? You do and you hear things in the game but to admit that, right, that opens a can of worms for you as an athlete because it, it, it's you make yourself vulnerable. It shows that you're affected. It shows that you're reactive. It shows that you're sensitive. And how this carries forward, uh, this could be a rallying point for the football team. You know, I think Nichols, as a sensitive guy, I think he responds very well. I think he's going to come out with fire and brimstone against Calgary. And I think this team, if... He is their leader, which by every stretch of the imagination we are led to believe, then they're going to back him up and they're going to ride this horse into Calgary and, and buck the Broncos or whatever you do to a Stampeder. I don't know, but they're going to they're going to back him to the wall and it's going to be awesome. Or, you know, it's fans have taken notice, you know, people are taking notice that, oh, hey, this quarterback listens to what we're saying and or doing, you know, it's so different from going on the road. And, you know, the interesting thing, obviously, you don't want to be booed at home. I didn't want people to wear paper bags on their head, you know, for a few games in one of our bad seasons. I don't want the Banjo Bowl when I was playing. I don't want people to show up in rider jerseys. Don't want don't want any of these things. I wanted all cheers for Doug Brown 24-7. But guess what? If you're not going to complain about people cheering for you and saying you're doing a great job when things are going well, then when things aren't going well, you can't. It rings hollow if you have a problem with that. If you have a problem with booze, whether they're directed at you or not, okay, then you better have a problem with the cheering and the adoration and the accolades and everything they give to you and the things you love and the free car and the signing bonus and how much money you make for six months. You better hate all that too because that goes hand in hand. It's part and parcel. You can't just have one or the other. It's, uh, it's the old scenario where nobody wants to talk to the media after a loss. Right in the locker room. It's like pulling teeth in there, trying to get somebody to come on the air. We know this doing radio, uh, print journalists. Nobody wants to talk to you, especially if you had a bad game. Are you kidding me? If you're Kevin Fogg and you got picked on a little bit in that Ottawa or, or a lot in that Ottawa game, you don't want to talk to anyone about it. But guess what? If you have four interceptions and nobody comes up to you after the game, you're like, what the hell? Where are my adoring masses and why are they not lying at my feet? Right? So it's a balance man and the whole perspective I had when I played and I don't know if this uh, people agree with this or not but guess what 
I played for 11 years in Winnipeg and the people that bought tickets to go to the games largely paid my salary throughout those 11 years and allowed me to do play a game for a living and to only work six months of the year in terms of you know showing up in the football schedule, so on and so forth. So if you paid the ticket, you can do anything you want. Do anything you want. I'm just happy you showed up because whether you're hating on my team at the moment or you're loving my team at the moment, you're still interested enough in the entertainment or the drama or the disaster or the success or the victory. You're a paying customer. Do whatever the hell you want. It's our job as professionals. If we're going to be sensitive about that, then guess what? Play well and play better. And if you're not affected by it, just be appreciative that there are people there in the stands that actually care about what you're doing. So you're talking about next week and this whole idea of whether Matt Nichols' teammates will rally around him. I'm going to challenge you a little bit on that to suggest that I think we should have seen this this past week because going into the game against Ottawa, the conversation were two things. There were two things people were talking about. One was the crowd noise and the effect of the crowd noise. How awesome that was. Right. At yeah. the end of the game and that you had an absolute effect. Please come out. Give us more of that. That's, this is so everyone knows this is against Hamilton Tiger Cats the previous week at home. Continue. Correct. And very definitely in the last drive when Hamilton was trying to drive the field in order to, to tie the game. It was two procedure calls. Two procedure calls. Right. Everybody raving about the noise at IGF. Great attendance against Ottawa, right? Correct. People come out. They sacrifice, right? They sacrifice an evening at the lake, an evening with friends and family. Costs a lot of money. Cash, time. It's a big investment for people. People were starting to buy in. People were starting to think, hey, one more win. We always talk about three's a trend. Well, what's four in a row? All of a sudden, the conversation is, whoever wins this game, two, five, and three teams, is the second best team in the league. Well, guess what? By halftime, people saw that dream of the Blue Bombers being counted in elite company slipping through their fingertips. And I would argue the other conversation last week was Matt Nichols. We're winning in spite of Matt Nichols, not because of him. He's a game manager. He's this, that, and everything. You can't tell me the rest of his teammates didn't hear that conversation last week. So I'm suggesting that perhaps his teammates should have shown up to stand up for him this past Friday night. Yeah, I mean, it's always different when you win, though. I I think most people are like, seriously? Come on, like, are, are these people legitimate? I think it was a vocal minority. I still think it was a vocal minority that even booed at the game, whoever's left there or whatever. But when people make noise when you're winning, you're just like, come on, man, seriously. I'm like, to me, I thought it was a joke when people were upset about his stat line or whatever it was last week. I'm like, okay, he's 25 and 10, and he's four and one so far, or five and one, or whatever the hell he was uh, in terms of his record so far this season. That's pretty awesome. If you're upset about that, whatever. If you you think he's just you know part of whatever it doesn't matter winning is what matters right whatever your excuse whatever your rationale whatever your you know the stats uh, wasn't throwing for enough yards all that matters to me is 25 and 10 and and four and one uh, this year when he was playing so uh, to me it wasn't so serious now that he himself has interjected him Self and, and come out and said something publicly and made an admission that this affected him and he thought it was about him and directed at him. Now, now you're seeing the players make their comments saying, yo, whoa, we got his back, da 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 we're, but now we have to see it on the field. And you know the interesting thing about what's happening right now, right? All throughout a football season, I mean, when we won 12 games in a row 
and we were 14 and four, there were still a percentage of the population was like, nope, don't believe it. Don't like these guys that they lost four games, whatever. Everyone, there's always going to be that, that hater percentage, that doubter percentage. Right. And, uh, so where was I going with this? I just forgot. Well, okay. just in terms oh, of okay. even yeah. in a fourteen yeah. and four yeah. season. So so there's always going to be those people that that are saying, oh, they're they're always going to have their argument for this is why the team is not as good. I don't care if they have a winning record. I don't care if Nick, there's always going to be people that don't believe in you, right? Those are the 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 cynics, uh, you know, whatever, and uh, the the pessimists, the the glass half full kind of people, right? And so the things they were all listing. They're like, oh, well, this team can't beat a team with a winning record. Well, turns out guess what? True. Guess what? That turns out a little more credence. And people were saying, oh, well, yeah, you know, the defense looks better. But the more the defense has changed, the more this defense stays the same. Check that box as well against Ottawa, right? What happened against Ottawa? They got, essentially, they were saying, hey, this defense can stop any team that has no idea what they're doing offensively. That's what they've done, but Ottawa knows what they're doing, so they give up these yards. And then the other thing they were saying is, oh, Matt Nichols is is not the quarterback of the future for this guy. Da, da, da. You saw he didn't have a great day on the field. It wasn't terrible. But then he, this other boo, this boo gate thing erupted, right? So... All you're doing now, so now there's all this fire for all these people that didn't buy into what was happening in the 2018 Blue Bombers. But here's the one thing. I'm like, the only thing that fixes all this, that makes all these things go up in smoke and disappear, is if you win in Calgary on Saturday, then guess what? All the credibility, all the... Everything that swung in favor of people saying these are the limitations of the football team, they all blow away if you go into Calgary and you win that game against a team that's 7-1, that's angry, that hasn't lost two games in a row in who knows how long. And uh, it's uh, that's the... Normally, you can see, you could say, hey, you can never make a determination or a judgment on a team based off one game. You can if it's the Calgary Stampeders. You can if you're going into their barn after they lost the first game of the year and you go in there and you beat them. Guess what? Everything we've heard about the defense, everything we've heard about not being able to beat a team with a winning record, everything we've heard about Matt Nichols not being the quarterback that can get things done for the Bombers, put it in the trash, put it on the curb. Done deal. Okay, so I want to talk about Calgary, I want to talk about Saskatchewan in a moment, but when you talk about elite, and we discussed, and I, I brought up the fact, and I because I was toting it all week, you best not be sleeping on the Ottawa Red Blacks. This is a good team. Trevor Harris is an elite quarterback. I think a lot of people outside of Ottawa have been asleep on this guy. That was not the best even- performance I've seen by a quarterback against the Blue Bombers this year, period. Right. Better than Riley, better than anybody they've played. That was inc- his throws, incredible. And he was under pressure at times. It's not like he had all day to throw the ball. He trusted his receivers. He knew where they were going to be. He made throws that most uh, most quarterbacks cannot make fifty uh, percent of the time. He was making them seventy to eighty percent of the time. So this is where I come to this question about elite. If Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell are the two quarterbacks kind of battling it out for number one and number two best quarterback in the CFL, I think we can agree. Now you've got 
Trevor Harris and Jeremiah Mazzoli nipping at their heels saying, hey, I'm number three. No, I'm number three going back and forth. So that takes care of quarterbacks one, two, three, and four in the pecking order in the Canadian Football League. That puts at the very highest in the rankings, Matt Nichols at number five. Well, in a, in a nine-team league, can the fifth best quarterback be elite? The answer to me is no. Simple math says no. You have to be in the top three of the quarterbacks. Your team has to be in the top third of the standings to be elite. Right now, the Blue Bombers are neither. Yeah, that's a very, uh, that's a, a strong argument you make. A good point. Um, I would dare see, wow, we're actually recording this podcast and the CJOB with such strong opinions that we just knocked a sign off the wall that took actually it right almost, off you know how they almost, talk that about almost took you out man Mackling wow. was peeling paint off the wall just took that sign wow, down the sign right just off the fell down and almost took out greg mackling that was interesting um the whole thing the only thing i would say in in uh, re- response to your argument is a guy like mazzoli you know still he's kind of j- just showed up just arrived this year right and uh trevor harris you know, when Ottawa has won a great cup and a championship, that was Henry Burris kind of thing. And Matt Nichols, you know, has played very well in high, in critical, important. I mean, you can say to your blue in the face, he hasn't won a, a playoff game, but he has done everything and then some but in his opportunity. Game. But when like he played as well as you could hope. So until one of those guys goes out and does something in the postseason, I would still say, you know, those numbers, those ratings are almost a week by week thing. We can see Trevor Harris blow up. We can see Mazzoli become the guy he used to be that was only last season. Granted, he finished the season strong, but he has not been this player that he is right now his entire career. And Nichols is also going through a funk right now. So who knows? If he beats Calgary next year, you can't say that he's number five anymore, right? So for me, those guys, it's yet to be, it's up in the air. I think they're all still floating around and I think it's a week by week. I think uh, three, four, and five, I think that is uh, something you can argue based on what have you done for me lately and how they've played of late. Until someone makes some noise uh, in the the postseason. I mean, if you look at also, if you look at Matt Nichols's record as a starter, mm-hmm. I would say that's ahead of sure. of Her- of Trevor Harris as well as Mazzoli, right? So, therefore, I mean, is he is is Nichols a product of the offense and the system he's in, or is he capable of? I mean, we have seen Nichols play here in relief of Drew Willie in previous seasons, where he's been vastly less effective than he has been behind this offensive line and with these weapons, right? So we have te- seen multiple uh, Matt Nichols play for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So it's real tough to say, oh, my only point I'm trying to make, it's tough to say definitively and with any great um, deal of confidence, who is three, who is four, who is five, I didn't and that's mention, the way it is. I didn't even mention Ricky Ray. Yeah, who's just got his neck brace off. So I, there you go. I'm just, you know, and I'm not trying to pick on anyone. I'm just trying to, I think the point 
that I would make subsequent to that is this, is that they don't need Matt Nichols to be the best quarterback in the CFL. They need Matt Nichols to do the things he does effectively, to manage the game. You've got the best running back in the CFL, arguably. You've got one of the best offensive lines, and you've got enough weapons. I know you don't think that the receiving core is the best in the league, but they have enough weapons when healthy that Matt Nichols can distribute the ball and you should be able to move the ball effectively and resourcefully. Yeah, there's certainly a balanced enough football team. I think they're probably fourth best receiving tandem. I mean, if Dressler's healthy or not, you know, that's that's a variable you have to deal with every every year for this receiving core. But Darvin Adams looked fantastic last game, right, with his speed and his dynamic home run hitting play. Dembski, you know, when he's involved is can be amazing, right? So they're very dynamic. They're super balanced. And he might just be the right guy to not make the mistakes to shoot themselves in the foot, right. you know, and he can distribute it. And he's, he's very cerebral and, and smart and uh, uh, calm competent at that position they don't need him to do things that other quarterbacks have to do to win games in this league so like I say it's it's always hard until someone does something big in the postseason and, and accomplishes something at that position which is you know obviously the most important position on the football field these rankings for me will always be up in the air okay so the Bombers going to Calgary Saturday now the Stampeders fresh off this loss in Saskatchewan Saskatchewan looked the step made the Stampeders look very ordinary on Sunday night in my opinion. Uh, Saskatchewan's defense, much vaunted, very heralded. Zach Caleros comes back into the Saskatchewan lineup and does what I think most people would hope that Matt Nichols would do uh, game in and game out. And that's sort of just manage the game for the Rough Riders. Don't make any mistakes. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up, basically. Uh, don't let momentum swing on one play, which can be so dangerous in the CFL. The one thing I will say in, in Calgary's defense about the game that I, I too watched against Saskatchewan was anytime your other two phases of your football team that are playing score and contribute a major touchdown makes it much easier wow yeah. it's hard to beat a team when those two you know and if what was the final score 40-27 was that the final score if it was 40-27 take away 14 points and guess what the final score is mm-hmm. 40-26 or, or sorry 27-26 so when you have your special teams that blocks a punt it takes that in for a major when you have your defense that gets a pick six granted that Bo Levi Mitchell's problem um, when you have other all three phases of your football team that are scoring contribute super hard to win that game and things like a punt block you got to get a bounce you got to get time you know it's just it's a it's a thing you can't count on every week kind of thing and you can't count on Bo Levi throwing pick sixes every single week kind of thing so to me Saskatchewan definitely played well deserved to win but they got some help and they can't count on you know having those other phases contribute to their offensive production on a week-in and week-out basis. So to me, that that could be, for Calgary, considered a throwaway game. But uh, it certainly got their attention that they're vulnerable. And, uh, you know, this is great. It's a perfect storm here in Winnipeg in terms of everything that's going on around this football team. Calgary's going to be a little upset as well. So I couldn't be more excited to go watch this game. So... Let's pretend for a minute the Blue Bombers go into McMahon, a place where they haven't had a ton of, su- ton of success ever, let alone in Just the last Just 2002 decade. is the last time they were uh, there outside, sounds, of, outside of the throwaway game last year? Correct. Okay. So, so if you look at this, does a win in Calgary with the Stampeders losing in Regina on Sunday, does it mean more 
this week based on that if the Bombers can pull that off the fact that Calgary's going to be angry they're not going to be happy about losing and you talk about a perfect storm this is a genuine opportunity for the Blue Bombers to kind of kill two birds with one stone apology for the analogy bird lovers yeah for me everything that bothers you that is nagging at this team that people are needling about this team it all goes away if you go into calgary and you win in any way shape or form i would even dare say if you go into calgary and you're in the game in the fourth quarter and it comes down to the final two minutes or something like that i would say that still silences your critics tremendously um, because Obviously, uh, Calgary still is the best team in the Canadian Football League by record and by accomplishment this year. And this is going to be even harder to beat them on the road in this scenario. You pull that off or even come close to doing it, I think you show everybody that doubts your football team, that thinks you have limitations in these three phases, I think they get awfully quiet if you come anywhere near to accomplishing that goal. Is this the pure definition then of a statement game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Well, like I said, the funny thing is you'll never get them to admit it or say this is just the next game in the, you know, so no matter what happens, it was just the next game. You're moving on to the next game, right? But yeah, this this could be a, a turning point one way or the other. Like you say, uh, things went terribly wrong against Ottawa, winning football team. Now you're playing the winning football team. If things go terribly wrong again, then you're kind of spinning out of control into the Labor Day Classic, which is never an easy game, even if it's the worst Saskatchewan team, right? They always play that game. Then things are starting to get out of control, right? So this could be a defining moment for the 2018 football team. And and wow, you want to talk about you know, uh, theater and, and, and drama, it's, it's all there for, for uh, the viewing and uh, the spectating when it comes to watching this football team going forward. Now, obviously, we know what the Winnipeg Jets did in the playoffs this past season. And there was one game in their season that I, at, even at the time, said this could be season-defining. And that's when they came back against the Washington Capitals. They were down 3-1. to one. They tied the game with an empty net. They were shorthanded at the time. Even a number of skaters with an empty net, then they went in overtime and you could just feel that maybe this was a game and that was a game that you would look back at some point and say, that's the one that had them stand up and say, we're here to be counted. There's no question in my mind. I'm going to go right out and say it. This is the Blue Bomber season on Saturday. Wow. Win, lose, or draw. Win, lose, or draw. This is their season. Tightly contested in the fourth doesn't they, matter. They can't afford to lose another game. You, like you said. I would say they can't afford to lose another game along the lines of how they lost the game to the Ottawa Red Blacks. I think they can afford to lose this game as long as they're, you know, as long as they're super competitive and there's a marked difference between how they played last week and how they play Calgary on if, if they go, you know, if they play very well and they're in it and they're competitive, and they're contesting, I think they can survive that loss that type of loss a blowout loss though i agree with you but a tightly contested in the fourth quarter loss i think they can still move on and salvage but i, I like you standing on your your soapbox and making that uh, proclamation
proclamation. Yeah, I have no problem making uh, that proclamation. And what scares me, I guess, from someone who's been cheering for this team as a fan for 40 years, is I know what happens on Labor Day weekend. And I know it's very unusual for a team to sweep the Labor Day and the Banjo Bowl, the meeting the following weekend so this has me a little bit concerned but it has me really excited to see what this team is made of does it have the metal that i think that we were talking about two weeks ago going into the hamilton game and saying this team is on it's on the cusp of making some statements they didn't make the statement we wanted them to this past friday i think uh coming up this saturday their season is on the line and in game 10 i don't know if that is usually the case but i'm gonna go right out and say it it's uh it's only worth two points but it is by far the biggest opportunity for them to turn the corner Potentially one way or the other in this regular season. Let's reconvene in seven days, my friend. <laughs> yeah, should be should be a good follow up one way or the other. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Oh, that is wow. That's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. 